everybody. Welcome. This is, of course, the U.S. Grace Force podcast. We know, we know you've been waiting all week for this next episode. This is going to be great because we have the world famous Deacon Harold Burke Sivers with us tonight. Yay! You can hear the applause going crazy right now. All right. But before we get started with this amazing show, we want to always begin everything with prayer. Father Heilman, take it away. Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. Before we get started, of course, I always want to say hello to everybody out there. Thank you for watching this podcast, for supporting us. Your prayers, your comments mean everything to us. We have an amazing group of people out there who support us through the Patreon program. Information is in the description below in the link there, or you can just check out above me here. There it is. And go on out. And you know what? It's just, it's an amazing way to help support us get more, more of these messages out to as many people as possible, which is so critically necessary, especially right now. And also don't forget, we have amazing t-shirts and all kinds of hoodies and sweatshirts and things out there. You can also click the link in the description for the official U.S. Grace Force gear page and check that out for yourselves. Fantastic show tonight. Are we nearing the point of no return? And it's a very, very real question. And Deacon Harold is a friend of ours. We've had him on. Uh, we had him on, I think, over a year ago, I think it's been, Deacon. This is our, we, we just wrapped up our second year. And you were one of our, I think, original guests in the first several months, I think. Um, but this is great. You've been out on the front lines for a long time, battling this. Um, I love seeing your posts come up on social media. You, so oftentimes you're decked out in the, in the, the fantastic, you know, uh, vestments because you're out there as a deacon doing the, the work of a deacon preaching and so forth. And everybody's always got amazing stories about when I talk to people who have heard you preach, how it's affected them. And this isn't just to flatter you or blow sunshine your direction, because that would be sinful to try to flatter you. That's just not the right thing to do, but just true story. You affect a lot of people and you have for a long time. And I'm very grateful for you being a friend of father mine and the grace force. Now, nearing the point of no return, we see a lot happening. And I know you're going to talk a little bit about this book that you're working on, which people are going to love to hear about. It's going to make you incredibly popular. I think you said earlier. <laughs> and so we'll get into that in just a bit too, but there's so much happening right now. We've got, we've got, you know, critical race theory being shoved down people's throats all over the place. The transgender bathroom issue is going on continually. We've got the new green deal stuff going on. We've got all kinds of things happening in our world. Southern border is wide open, Afghanistan, you know, all these different things that have happened, things in the church that have really shaken people very, very seriously. And father and I always try to be very cautious. We don't want to bash anybody in the church. We don't want to go after name calling or things of that nature. So we always try to be very respectful to the office of a bishop or the Holy Father, what have you. But there are things that are confusing people like crazy deacon. And I know you're in the thick of this too. And, you know, you've been battling a long time doing this work. Um, and you're out there in Oregon. And as you were describing before we got started, Oregon is a bit of an upside down, uh, maybe, I don't know if apocalyptic, that wasn't your word, but that's kind of how it came across. You went downtown Oregon or Portland and you said it was a little bit different than it used to look like before the last year and a half to flatten the curve, you know, has taken hold. But in general, we have this, this fear, I think, about nearing this point of no return. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, are we at a point where we're not going to turn this around, this being all of these things that are within the church and within society, turning things upside down, people are losing hope. We can't lose hope. We have to find hope in the grace of God and so forth. But Deacon, give us your assessment of what you see in the world, in the church, just kind of your particular take on it from your position in this battlefield and really where you think we are with regards to um, you know, a tipping point of some sort. Kind of, a, kind of a broad question there, but what's your assessment of the times that we're in? Well, first of all, uh, Doug and Father Heilman, it's a, a, an honor and a blessing to be back uh, with you on Grace Force. Uh, a huge, huge fan uh, of the show and, and of the work that both of you are doing uh, in, in the vineyard, in the Lord's vineyard. Thank you. Yeah, basically, uh, Satan is a confuser. He's a liar, and he brings confusion. And we're, we're seeing a lot of that in our culture, especially the confusion piece. 
you know, I, I've been scratching my head. You're right. Again, want to be respectful, but even things inside the church and things outside the church, um, just scratch my head. Like what, what is going on? How do we even get to this point? You know, I mean, I've never seen this. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid fifties. Right. But, uh, you know, where you have bishops disagreeing with bishops on fundamental things like, you know, this distribution of communion to politicians. I mean, that's pretty much open and shut to me, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, we have confusion over that. We have, um, uh, in our political world, things, things are upside down. We have politicians who claim to be Catholic, who, again, not trying to necessarily, um, you know, proselytize, you know, like we're not trying to turn everybody Catholic, but we're trying to look at the perspective of the natural moral law. God has planted his law into every single person. And those laws need to be respected and protected. You know, for example, the right to life from the moment of conception of natural death. We're talking about giving rights to people. That doesn't mean anything if people aren't alive right. to even to even have a chance to exercise those rights. You know, so right. so things are just kind of topsy turvy right now in our in our world and our culture today. Which if, it's not me scratching my head for sure. Yeah, if you don't mind me interrupting on that point, there, you know, where we've got you know the president of the United States um, just doing everything possible to try to continue to legalize abortion on every level and so forth. Down here in Texas, where we had the heartbeat law get passed not too long ago, then the federal judge steps in and stops it. Then it gets overturned. And, and right away, you know, Joe Biden came out and said, you know, this is an attack on women's reproductive rights and so forth, but then claims to be Catholic. And as you mentioned, the, the constant confusion, which I, I agree with you, open and shut. You're openly pro-abortion as a politician, and you're still being allowed to receive Holy Communion, creating amazing confusion and doubt and frustration and, you know, a, a type of just anger. Wouldn't you say, Deacon, that we, we've got over the this 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 ambiguous this ambiguous response to these things? No, absolutely. I mean, what does he have to do? Does he actually have to 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 do an abortion on television mm. for someone? I mean, and plus he witnessed a so-called marriage between two people of the same sex. I mean, that was very public. Mm. And again. I think the response has been um, very uh, a lot of silence um, yeah. uh, from from the church, you know, uh, uh, from the bishops, and so that's confusing to a lot of people. Because if that were the everyday Catholic, I think you'd see a very different response. Now we've also seen priests, very good. One of them who I who I know very well personally um, through these uh, these canceled priests that that that's been uh, talking about lately, and. Um, you know, it's, uh, I just, I, it's just very confusing right now. And the devil is just sitting back laughing. He's mm. la he's laughing in our face. You know, he, he, he's just looking at, look at this. They, they can't even just, you know, figure this thing out amongst themselves. And the thing is, and we've, we've lost sight of the way, the truth and the life in my, in my opinion, mm. we, we've, we we're so caught up in this minutia and all these other things going on that we're no longer focusing on our Lord Jesus Christ being the heart, the soul, the center of our being in existence, you know, and when you hear statistics, like again, 70% of Catholics don't, uh, don't believe Jesus is present in the real, real, really present body, blood, soul, divinity in the Eucharist, or that the age when a young person decides I'm no longer Catholic and make a mental decision to check out of the church is 12 years old. That means they've left the faith before they even left their parents' house. So what's going on in that house? Wait, wait, hold <laughs> you know, on. I mean, are, are no, they you... laying a foundation in this child's life where the child is falling in love with Jesus, where every decision that they make is flowing from a deep, intimate, personal relationship with, with the living God? Now, where, where is that happening? The, where, where You talk about 12 years old. Explain that a little bit more. Where, where have you seen this? That by 12 years old, is that, like a, is that an average? Is there a study on this? Yeah. So if you look at the CARA uh, uh, details and, and information about, um, you know, different trends in the church, that's one of the things that we see. You know, that's what a number of 69% wow. of people don't believe Jesus is present in the Eucharist. Only uh, something like 20% or 25% of Catholics actually go to church on Sunday, mm -hmm. you know, on a regular basis. And, uh, and, and again, that statistic about when the, the, the children mentally check out, where they make a decision, I am no longer Catholic. And what, and what are they leaving the church wow. for? Nothing. 12 years Nothing. old. Wow. They're, they're leaving for a philosophy of atheism, which doesn't believe in anything. So here, here's what atheism is. Imagine 
the 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 love the, the the deepest time you've ever felt love in your life mm-hmm. or the biggest sadness or the greatest source of joy you just close your eyes and imagine all those moments and multiply it times zero that's atheism mm. so your your whole life means nothing and, and so so why why be good why worry about being green why about doing other stuff when none of it matters because at the end of your life there's nothing mm. and what's the what's the point it makes no sense yeah. you know but but that's where we're, we're in a culture where things don't make sense where where and, and the, the the scriptures predicted this where good will be called bad and evil will be called good mm. that's exactly where we are right now yeah yeah you know i uh i was listening to you deacon and i was thinking i actually posted something today you know i you said we got to get green well i think we should get green but anyways <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh they're doing really well so it's making me nostalgic and i was thinking back in my childhood years when it was the lombardi era but um, that got into us. You know, Lombard, my favorite quote from Lombardi was, you'll never be perfect, but if you chase perfection, you'll catch excellence. Well, that got into the bones of, of us in the 60s. At the same time was all the, you know, beatniks and the hippies out on the streets, you know. And th- th- so there, was a, there were two directions people were going at that time. I actually lived five doors down from Mark Johnson, who scored the winning goal at Lake Placid in the 1980s Miracle on Ice uh, uh, hockey game, and and my, my best friend would train speed skating with Eric Hyden, who got five uh, gold medals in the same Olympics. My my buddy, my other best friend, and I uh, made all state honors. We were going to be Packers. I got I had a career inju- ending injury, which changed my direction, and now I'm a priest. Praise God! But anyways, you can see there that there was this idea, and they got in our boats to chase perfection. And, and, and that, but at the same time, there was this other direction just splintering off where, you know, my body, my choice, and, you know, I'm entitled and, and, you know, give me, give me, right. It was almost, it was, it's almost like this, uh, this temper tantrum spoiled little child, you know, they never matured in other words. And we had all kinds of great coaches and parents and everything around us that were calling us to, um, to, to live that higher way. To live the higher way during that time, and uh, and and you can see for some of us uh, that that panned out, and and I I just think in our culture right now that's what we're facing is um, we have two choices to make: we can take the highway, or we can take the low way, or I like to say the uh, the way of the beasts, the way of the animals. Mm. That's really what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I I want it and I want it now. That's what animals do. But, other, but but when you live that higher way, when you live out that you're called to be Christ-like, you know, to be a child of God, uh, then your priorities change. And, and now virtues and values and morals and ethics and principles, everything, you know, uh, matters. And, and doing it the right way, doing it the good way, doing it the just way, um, you know, gets in. And, and I, I think what's happening right now is that we're understanding that in, in, a, in the maybe the clearest way that we've ever have, that this isn't about left versus right or Democrat versus Republican. This is about a highway we can choose or the low way we can choose. And it seems like those two are clashing right now. I'm wanted, I'm entitled, I, you know, I deserve it. Uh, give me money, you know, uh, spend trillions on giving me my goodies so I don't have to work, so I don't have to try, so I don't have to strive. And, and the other way that knows better than that. What, what do you think about that, Deacon? No, I, I think you're absolutely right, especially on a, a, a macro level, right? Like, for example, you compete in sports, you take 10th place, you get a trophy. That's yeah, that's what how I was life saying works. Too. That's what I was saying, too. The participation trophy uh, spirit got not only into the culture, but into the church now. So, mm-hmm. so and that's where I went with this, too. And I, I, I actually think I called it the uh, participation uh, trophy spirit got into the church. But I, I concluded by saying that look what's happening. You, you had um, uh, Bishop Tobin ask, where are the John the Baptist to stand against the Herods of our time? He just said that a, a few days ago. And I, I, I want to say, Bishop Tobin, you know where they are? They're being censored and canceled by bishops uh, for standing up and, uh, against these Herods, for, for calling them out. And, and, and uh, 
you know, the, the bishops that, that don't want to offend anybody and, you know, come, come to mass and you don't, it doesn't matter what you believe or what you're doing. You get your participation trophy or your Eucharist. Okay. These are the ones, oh, if you, if you say anything against, you know, the, the, the tyrants of our times that you're being divisive. Well, they're the, the that's the participation trophy spirit that, that, that they're, that has got into our church. And I, I think it's high time that we, we, we get rid of all that. And we, we stand up, especially us men, and, and we, we stand athwart this evil and say, no, not in my watch. And I think that's the spirit that's happening right now in the culture and in the church, that, that they're saying th this participation trophy garbage has got to go. Right, Deacon? No, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and, uh, and, and part of it, too, I think it, it, it stems from the fact that back in the garden, what was the lie? You will be like God. Right. right. So right. instead of being seeing ourselves made in God's image and likeness, we're doing one of two things, Father and Doug. We're either trying to make God in our image and likeness over rejecting God totally. <laughs> you know, we right. don't want God in the picture at all. Right. So, and, and, and when you and when you do that, then God will allow, you know, th this culture to, to rule us. Remember when um uh, you know, when, when Babylon took over, you know, in the Israelites, in the Old Testament, God says, you don't, you don't, you don't want to follow, you know, I, I'm, I'm offering you a relationship of love and life, intimacy, and communion. If you don't want that, fine, then Babylon will rule over you then, <laughs> right? Right. or Egypt will rule over you then. If you don't want to live by my law, fine. You just, you know, here's, here's what's going to happen. And that's where we are right now. When we, when we've turned our back and rejected God's invitation to love, life, intimacy, community, we get what we deserve. Right. But the thing is, we, we can turn this ship around, but we have to have enough people to be able to stand up and say, no more. Just draw a line and say, done, no done. more. I, no. And, and just and make a stand and say, I am standing up for the beauty and truth of my faith, no matter what. Right. You know, and, and yeah, you're going to take some hits mm -hmm. from that. You know, yep. but so what? Jesus took some hits, those, the, 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 the scourging at the pillar, and then was nailed to the cross. Jesus said, if you are to be my disciples, a disciple is one who hears, accepts, and puts into practice in their life every day the teachings of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith. If you are to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, exactly. and follow me. Exactly. Well, that's what we need to do. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and, and that's what they want to ascribe this uh, participation trophy way to Christ's way. And he was one of the toughest, you know, persons, uh, tougher than most coaches ever. Uh, you know, what did he say? He said, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross, you know, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye. You're going to be hated, you know, um, and be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Wait, Jesus, <clears throat> what about the tone and manner here? You know, what about toning it down a little bit? And so, so more people will come in if you're not, you know, if you don't ask too much, you know, that's gotten it. In, in other words, come on in. Everybody gets a participation trophy and that's gotten in our culture, but it's now it's in our church. Yeah. Deacon, I'd, I'd like you to comment on something that father posted on his, his uh, Facebook page yesterday. Um, great picture of Pope Benedict the 16th and the quote from Benedict the 16th, we are moving toward a dictatorship of relativism which does not recognize anything as definitive and has as its highest value one's own ego and one own, one's own desires. So again, they can see it on the screen right now. We are moving toward a dictatorship of relativism which does not recognize anything as definitive and has as its highest value one's own ego and one's own desires. And, and that, I mean, we talk about, you know, is it, you know, we kind of thought the title of this program is, are we, you know, nearing this point of no return? And, you know, you talk about percentages, 20% going to mass. That was, I think that was actually before COVID even hit. And so, you know, even with churches open now in some areas, there are still some people who aren't going back for fear or whatever it may be. And now there's segregation in the churches with regards to whether you'll cover your face or not, or take an injection or not, you know? And so you've got all these issues that are unfolding and it's only driving even more wedges between people when it comes to these issues. But ultimately this particular quote really struck me when I, I read that, you know, father posted this year, you know, about this dictatorship of relativism. I'm my own God. It goes back to, and I thought about this when you said what you said in the garden. You know, you'll be like God, you know, if you, if you eat of this tree. 
Um, do you do you see? First of all, what are your comment? What's your comment? Your thoughts on the Holy Father saying this? I mean, he would have said this obviously some time ago, you know, since he stepped down. But what are your thoughts? He he saw this coming. You know, Fulton Sheen saw this stuff coming. He talked about this this um, revolution that we would have to see how it would turn out, and it was between the man who who makes himself God or the God who assumed human nature and became man. And there's this battle, this revolution between the two, and we'll see who wins, he says. And when he said it, we weren't nearly in the position we are now with regards to those not going to confession, not going to mass, not praying, and so forth, and falling into this, this dictatorship of relativism. So what, what are your thoughts on that, on that quote? Well, it's not only Pope Benedict and Fulton Sheen, John Paul II, but when he was Carol Tiwa, mm. made that famous uh, speech at the Eucharistic Congress of Philadelphia in 1976. Yes, yes. You know, where, where we talked about the crisis. We're, we're at the verge of the Christ versus the Antichrist. I mean, they, they all called it. They all saw this coming. And you're right. We're there. We're in the midst of the dictatorship of relativism right now. It, it's not something that's approaching. We are in the middle of it. Yeah. And- let me basically tell you how, how, how this whole thing works, because I, I'm a musician, so I like to use musical analogies. So you have a violin, okay, a father and Doug. A violin has four strings. So the, the violin, the, the culture will look at the violin and say, you see that string on the violin? That string is not free. Why? Because it's tethered and bound by the rules and commandments and moral codes and catechisms of the violin. The string is so tight. It, it, it's not free to do whatever it wants. So it's too rigid, in other words. What too. would the culture do? The, the, the dictatorship relative has done this. Let's go up to the tuning peg and whoop, 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 whoop loosen that string. Take it off, take it off the, the, the nut, uh, take it off the tuning peg, off the, the bridge, and lay it down next to the violin. And now the culture stand back and say, ah, now that string is free. It's no longer controlled and dominated and ruled by the commandments and moral codes and catechisms and yeah. Bibles and, uh, uh, of the violin. The string is now free to do whatever it wants. So I ask you, what is the string now free to do? <laughs> Just lay there. Nothing. It's gonna it do can't nothing. do anything. It's lay there. Yeah. It can't do anything. Right, and that's right. what more relativism leads to a life right. of emptiness, a life of uselessness, a life of nothingness, because more relativism ultimately says you are not good the way that you are. The way that God made you is not good enough. You have to conform and be whatever you want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have situations now where, where they're trying to so-called redefine marriage. Marriage literally means matrimonium in Latin literally means the state or condition of motherhood. Yeah. So what you have to do in order to redefine marriage, you have to change what those words mean, right? So, so, so my name, Deacon Harold, Deacon is diakonia in Greek, which means servant. And Harold comes from Herobald, Old English, that says mighty in battle. So literally, my name means the servant who is mighty in battle. So what if someone came to me and says, you know what? I think your name means parked across the street. Who are you to tell me that objective, like objective, my name no longer means this. The words don't mean anything. It now means what I want it to mean. That's exactly what the Supreme Court did with, mm. with, with, when they so-called redefine marriage. Of course, we know they didn't redefine anything because God is the one who defines what marriage is. But here's what they said. What is this? Oh, it's a highlighter. No, it's not. It's Coke. It's a glass of, of Coke. <laughs> Uh, is uh, uh well well uh, well wait a minute I, I, it looks like a highlighter no what you thought was a highlighter from time mm. and eternity we're now def redefining and telling you that this is a glass of coca-cola mm. what is this and all the catholics said coca-cola and that's how we that's part of the reason why we got to where we are right now yeah. we don't have enough people standing up for truth yep. because look what happened jesus told the truth and they killed him Yep. And we don't want that. We want, yeah. we just want, we just want to get along. We just want to be nice. Just not fight. Let's just not, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus called this a crooked and depraved generation back in his time. He could have easily been talking about our culture today. Yeah. You know, on that point, I just last Saturday, I, I gave a talk at a church here uh, nearby and it was a, it was a church. It was a security kind of a training day. Um, I know we did an episode for battle ready on EWTN with you 
a while back because you used to be into you were you were law enforcement on a, on a college campus and you did like anti-terrorist training guantanamo bay and all that too i mean you've got a background in this so we're very equally you know on the same page when it comes to understanding the need to be trained and prepared so we're doing a, a talk and it was like a three-hour session with about 30 people on what we need to be doing to be better prepared in case someone comes into the church or just your home just yourself in general and there's an older gentleman probably 75 i'm guessing sitting to the side and he says to me, you know what, Doug? He says, the only reason, this is an old Texan. He's got the white hair and the bit of the beard and all. And he says, the only reason people don't get in better shape and get ready for this stuff and do the training they need for this and that is they don't like pain. In other words, they don't like the discomfort. They don't want to be uncomfortable by taking the steps necessary to stand up for the truth that you're talking about, to stand up for the, the absolute moral truths of God, we, we don't want to take the shot. So, you know, Father, what you said earlier about our Lord made it clear, they hated me, they'll hate you too, right? Statements like that, you know, you've got to deny yourself, take up a cross and follow me. These statements, a lot of people are thinking, wait a minute, pick up my cross, I, I got a smart TV. I just have to, I just have to say, uh, there's a commercial out there. I just have to say, yo, Adrian. And the, the movie Rocky comes up and I just got to say, play movie. And it plays it. I don't have to get off my couch. I don't even have to push the remote control anymore. Everything is so easy for us now that the idea of actually saying, wait a minute, I'm going to get off the couch, roll up my sleeves, be willing to be hated, take the shots, be uncomfortable and get out there for this. People just don't seem to want to do you know, we have a new channel out there, the BR Coalition YouTube channel. Everybody go out there and subscribe right now, BR Coalition YouTube channel. And we're putting videos out there, Deacon, that talk about, you know, basically simple things like getting better prepared, food, shelter, defense, all these basic things like that, that we're trying to encourage people to take seriously being a little bit uncomfortable so you can be better prepared. Now, it's always body, mind, and soul. But I agree, this nearing the point of no return idea that we've got tonight is, I, I'm seeing it as, and I'd like, you know, both of you can comment on this, that if more people don't, you know, aren't willing to be uncomfortable, get off the couch, start reading your catechism, read your scripture, read the lives of the saints, go to adoration, pray the rosary, get to confession. These are tried and true age-old ways to give us the grace, to cooperate with grace, to engage in this battle. But Deacon, what is, what, what's the consequence if we don't? The trajectory we are on right now, if more of us don't respond, you're, you, you know the Old Testament very well. How many times does Israel get handed over to her enemies when she, as it says in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, Israel did things evil in the sight of God, and God handed Israel over to her enemies. The Midianites, this is all before the Gideon battle. Deacon, is this not a common theme? If we choose this, God allows us to fall into these chaotic times and moments? Oh, no, absolutely. And in fact, to, to even go further, what you said, Doug, what does Jesus say in uh, Luke chapter 12, right? He goes, uh, 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 do you think I came to bring peace? I came to cast fire upon the earth mm. and I wish it were already kindled. You know, do you think I've come to give, bring peace? No, I, I tell you, but rather division. He said the houses will be divided, you know, uh, three against two, two against one, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. So Jesus is saying that because why? The truth is going to divide. And that's what's happening. We're being divided as a church divided as a culture over truth yeah you know, so this yeah. is huge and if we don't uh want to uh, align ourselves with the beauty and truth of what god is trying to give us and you're right he's gonna and the israelites find that lesson out very well in the old testament you don't want to follow you know my invitation to love life intimacy communion okay well here's the results of your choice your decision because that's what hell is ultimately God doesn't throw anybody to hell or damn anybody to hell or condemn anybody to hell. We choose hell. And God allows our free will decision to stand. And so a precursor to that was in the Old Testament. Well, you don't want to live by the, the laws of commandments, which I'm actually helping to bring you into life with me. Okay, well, you're going to live with the results of your decision. Mm. Okay, Egypt, come on in. Okay, Babylon, come on in. <laughs> you know? and, and, yeah. so they, and so after you know hundreds of years, like, oh, my goodness, wow, we... This, this kind of sucks, man. Uh, wow, we, we turned our backs on God. And then, you know, then they call out to God and God is faithful. 
He always came, you know, it took a while because God works in his time and God's time is always perfect. Mm. Um, but, but he, but he came to the rescue and finally he sent Jesus, his son, you know, um, in, in fact, uh, I, there's a, a beautiful analogy, all this to me in the book of Daniel with the three young men, you know, there's some, I think there's some amazing parallels to exactly what you're talking about, Father Heilman and, and Doug. For example, he had, you know, uh, let, let's just, just, just do a, a couple of these very quickly. Um, so at the beginning of the book of Daniel, you know, we see the story of the, of the, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he, and he takes over, um, and he, uh, you know, takes over for Israel and takes all their stuff and brings it, um, into the, um, into the treasury, uh, of the, uh, uh of the, uh, uh, of the pagans and all that kind of stuff. And so let's, let's take a look at some parallels between that what's going on there and what's happening with our, uh, with our young men now. Uh, what did he do? He took, first of all, he changed their names, right? Uh, what did he do? He changed. So instead of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, he changed, and, and, and um, Daniel, right? Uh, he changed their names to uh, Hadrach, Meshach, uh, Abednego, and Belteshazzar. You know, so what did he do? He changed their name because he's trying to change their identity. And the same thing with the culture, dude, by redefining what marriage is or redefining what family is or redefining what gender is. It's trying to take us away and trying to redefine who we are. Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing. He did the same thing. Because remember, all those names mean something, right? So, for example, Michael, the the, the Archangel Michael, Michael, the L, the end end of her name is the spoken name of God, Elohim. So, Michael means who is like God. Daniel means God is judge. Hananiah means God protects. Um, Azariah means God will help. So he took those names, took, he took away their God names, and he gave them names of the pagan gods. And that's exactly what this culture is doing today. Yeah. It's, um, it, and I believe that the, the spiritual leaders of the culture need to speak up. They, that, that's, that's been my pet peeve. Um, it's, it's, uh, listen, if the spiritual leaders aren't speaking up, then why should the laity make, uh, make a big deal out of it? And I, I can tell you that the first half of my priesthood, we were not allowed to say the A word abortion uh, from the pulpit. And I know parishes to this day where it's the same thing because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to be divisive, whatever their reasoning is for it. But what happens then? It becomes a safe space for so-called Catholics who want, who can believe anything they want and continue to call themselves a devout Catholic. We can take our president, for instance, he's a, or Pelosi, they're, they're perfect examples of, of what we're talking about here. But you, you literally, you literally, uh, 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 create a monster. And, and then you, what happens is, is that then you have a, a priest who truly wants to be a father, who wants to protect and provide for their, for his family comes into that parish fresh, gets transferred into it, and they want to kill him. I, I can remember when I first started deacon. I, I first started talking about things like abortion. I remember the showy exits in the middle of my homily, the standing, so everybody knew exactly why they were standing, and the turning and the walking out. <clears throat> it was rough, but I always say too, you know, um, I lost some parishioners, but you know what I gained. Uh, like at least twice, if not three times more of souls who were hungering for a strong Catholicism. They, they wanted the truth. They wanted to know they had a father who actually cared for them and was protecting them from the wolves. And, they, and, and that's what they wanted to be a part of. With and the- that's what you're seeing happening all over. And, and, and at the same time, you still got these, um, I call them aging hippie, uh, bishops who are, no, no, you know, can, uh, can't offend anybody, you know, manner tone and you're being divisive. And it, some of the strongest priests I've ever known are the ones who are canceled right now by the bishops. Um, and, and that's got to stop. And, you know, Bishop Tobin said, where's the John the Baptist, you know, standing mm-hmm. against the Herods. Well, you know, who they are, they're being canceled. And, and so somebody has got to start standing up. For, and 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 what are, what's the message being sent to all the rest of the priests? Don't you dare say anything about the Herods. 
Yeah, or big, you'll get canceled too. It's, it's a big chilling effect you talk about. It father. is. It's a chilling just, effect. Yeah, it just like like when the FBI says we're going to come down on parents, you're considered domestic terrorists if you stand up at a school board meeting and speak exactly. out in defense of your own children against some of the perversion that's going on in the schools now. You know, the CRT and such that's going on. I know, Deacon, you said you're working on... Or, or, or all the uh, quote-unquote insurrectionists, right? That, right, that, right. That have been right. sitting in jail since January 6th, right? Not, yeah. not only that, check this out. In the state of Oregon, if your child comes to you and says, uh, pre-pubescent, pre, uh, I'm a boy, but I think I'm a girl. And if you deny them the start of treatment, you know, uh, you know, uh, so-called so-called treatment in air yeah. quotes, right? Yeah. Then, then you can have the child can be taken out of your home oh, my because for child abuse. Wow. Oh, wow. And so, where where are the? And I'm I'm blaming the spiritual leaders. The ladies got to stand up too. Yeah. But but they're not setting the example. Why aren't why why isn't every spiritual leader, a Catholic Christian, whoever you mm -hmm. are, Rabbi, why aren't we standing up and shouting and saying, "Not on my watch." You know, yeah. where are they? Well, and, and, every, yeah. and, and every husband and father, and I know Deacon, you and I both, we've done a lot of talks at a lot of men's conferences. And, and I heard this great quote from a guy on, on, on secular news. And he said, we got the mama bear movement and that's great, but we need the lion movement, the men, right. the lions. He says, instead of the lions, we seem to have a lot of house cats. He says, <laughs> and the house cats have no. got to go. We need the lions out there roaring in defense yes. of what is good. And Deacon, you mentioned earlier about the, the 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 truth that Jesus says that you know that I've come to bring division. That division is when a family and you comment on this if you like, you know, in the part about the, I love your comment on the house cats too. But the fact that truth is what divides. If everybody's on board with truth in your family, there's no division in the family. It's when the separation of, nope, I want to do it my way. I'm going to go the more relativistic way. I don't need God. I don't need the commandments. I don't need these sacraments. I don't need these things. That's when the division starts to happen. But it's not because I want to cause the division in the family. It's I'm standing for the truth. And, and if I'm, or if I'm not standing for the truth, either way, that's what brings the division is standing against the truth in a family. We're all built for the truth, just like we're built for oxygen and water and all these things as well. But anyway, I just want to comment on that because I know families out there, you probably get these comments from people at conferences who come up and say, oh, my family's divided and you know my kids have left the faith or my husband's left the faith or my wife's left, whatever it is, what do I do? I feel like I should just try to get along with everybody. I got to you know, bring peace. But peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's be true peace, as Augustine says, is living in the truth of God. And sometimes that means there's going to be some, some rough edges there. Well, that goes because what, what is it? Forward. What is truth ultimately, Doug? Mm -hmm. Truth right. is not a philosophical construct. Truth right. is not an idea you form in your mind. Truth is a person. Our right. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the exactly. way, the truth, and the life. Right. So, right. what's right. causing the division is the lightning rod is Jesus Christ. Right. It's, it's not a philosophy. Either you stand with Jesus or you don't stand with Jesus. That that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. Because truth is a person. Truth is the decision to be an intimate, personal, loving, and life-giving communion with the living God. That's yeah. the truth. In fact, that's the only truth that matters. Because at the end of your life, you, you think all this is going to be for nothing, that you're going to be in. There's going to be a separation of the sheets and the goats. Mm -hmm. And people are going to say, wait a minute, I knew you. And Jesus, I, didn't, I don't know you. I don't know you. We, we have to think that our actions and the decisions that we make in this world has eternal consequences right and we're not we're not thinking at that level anymore right yeah. right that's a great point we're, we're not thinking about the eternal consequences we're thinking about the here and the now and we're thinking about our level of pleasure our level of success our level of of, of you know bank accounts and so forth which look everybody don't trust the bank account so much the the government's been showing us that that's not a good place to really rely on little side. Well, you want to talk about strong men standing up. Just one thing for, for, when um, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were thrown into the furnace, right? Mm. Why were they thrown into there? Because King Nebuchadnezzar said, look, um, unless you guys uh, fall down and worship me, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. All right. So the guy said, okay, look, um, we don't know if God is going to save us or not. We don't know that. But whether God decides to do it or not, we will not mm. follow your God. We will not bow down before anyone except the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What? 
They said, even if it costs us our life, even we believe that God's going to save us. But even, even if he decides not to, we will still not. They tried, he tried to cancel them. He tried to deplatform them. And they said, do your worst because yeah. we're going to trust in God. God what? What, yeah. what? What if, I mean, if half, if 10% of Catholics stood up like that, we'd yeah. be in a much different place than where we are right now. Yeah, yeah, it's like we, we, it's like the T-shirt we have. I kneel for God alone. It's just yeah. it's that clear. I kneel for God alone. That statement should be written on our hearts. And actually, if you go out and get one of these shirts, you can wear it over your heart too. <laughs> I kneel for God alone. That has to be our attitude. It's the truth, and that's that's it. No matter what, you know. I, I I'm teaching this uh, superhero school. I call it for uh, these these uh, junior high and high school kids, and I'm having a ball with it. But one of the one of the times I think we talked about this in a previous show, but I just thought about it too, is that I told them, "Do you know how who is the Navy SEALs for the devil?" And I paused for a little bit. I says, "The lukewarm." Mm. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> all all the evil of the world. I think was Pius V said is due to lukewarm Catholics. Mm. But it, why does he say that? Because you can look at an, and this is what I told the kids: you can look at an atheist and go, "I can't go there." But you can look at a lukewarm Catholic who's going through the motion, who's punching the clock, who's treating it like a, you know, fulfilling a job description if they're doing that. Yeah. Or, you can, you know, you can, you can be one of the most powerful leaders in the world promoting the, the, the most heinous uh, uh, murder of children and then mm. still call yourself a devout Catholic and, and then model that for other people. See, lukewarm Catholics are Satan's Navy SEALs because... They're, they're so attractive to people who don't, as you guys have been saying, don't want to strive, don't want the effort. Right. You know, and, and so if I can just kind of go through the motions and kind of have, you know, it builds my brand if I say I'm a devout Catholic and all of that stuff, you know, and, and then other people look kind of go, cool, I can do that too. Um, you know, we're the swing vote uh, in these United States. The Catholic Church is a swing vote. Why isn't abortion gone? You know, because of lukewarm Catholics. That's why. Well, the book of Revelation, I love that. Because as soon as you said that, Father, yeah. that went to uh, uh, Revelation chapter 3, right? I yep, know your work. You are neither hot nor cold. How yeah. I wish you were either hot or cold because you are lukewarm. You're neither I hot vomit. or cold. I will spew you out of yeah. my mouth. Vomit. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, what? he's like, he's like, ah, you guys are the worst, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know yeah. what? And on, on that word, I, I've heard I heard this this put that it's 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 spew or vomit as opposed to spit, because spitting is an intentional act. Vomiting is a rejection from the body right, of right. something that it they're just it's violating you're the body and the me to be sick and nauseous. Yeah, and the yes. body says yeah. body says you're gone and you're gone Rejects now. It. Yeah. And it's 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 an absolute rejection. The body can't take yeah. it and it's gonna reject it. Spitting, I can walk through the parking lot and spit, you know, but vomiting is different. So when we hear that the Lord is making it clear, you're gonna be vomited. That that's a powerful way of saying no way. In the world, will I accept this lukewarmness? But, but the tactic here. of the church over the last 50 years has been, let's be lukewarm mm. so mm. that we can attract lukewarm Catholics. You know, it, it, But we don't want to uh, actually try to be holy or try to strive or try to stay in the truth. We don't, we, again, we don't say the abortion word. You know, don't talk about, uh, you know, sodom, sodomize uh, marriage. You know, don't talk about anything... Because we don't want to appear too strong in our Catholic faith because then the lukewarm won't like us. Well, right. read Revelations. It vomits the lukewarm out of his mouth. And it, why? Because, and I believe this, because they do the most damage. They do the most damage because they're modeling this for other people. And we actually have, I call it the vast majority of our parishes in the United States that are doing just that. They're modeling lukewarm. Come on, we'll have a nice social, we'll listen to some Broadway musical music, you know, and we'll have a good old time and, and you know, we'll, we'll you know, give some diapers to kids. You know, but you know, see what I'm saying? And then they, they come in their worst recreational tire and their body of Christ, okay, you know, 
you see, it's it's just it's it's all about joining Satan's Navy SEALs of being mm. lukewarm. Yeah, that's it's a just great been image. An abomination. Yeah. 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 Deacon, I know you're working on a book as well right now that yeah. actually ties in a lot of what we're talking about and how Catholics have not responded maybe appropriately or what, how we should respond to the critical race theory, BLM, things like this that have gone on in society that have really, we've really become complicit in letting some of these things that have become, you know, very segregating to us. What, what's the book about? When do you expect it to come out? Um, can you tell us anything about it? Yeah, so the, the, the book is, is titled Building a Civilization of Love, A Catholic nice. Response to Racism. Mm, and wow. so what I'm doing awesome. is uh, I'm looking at this basically three sections of the book or four sections of the book. The first section of the book is I'm looking at racism versus prejudice because everything is being lumped into racist. You know, everything is racist. That's racist. Well, no, it's not. We have to distinguish racism from prejudice. So, for example... Um, a guy came up to me not long ago and said, oh, you went to Notre Dame. What position did you play? You see, now he, <laughs> he said that. because I, I could see the calculus in his mind. Big black guy plus Notre Dame equals football. But the <laughs> fact is I've never played football in my life. I mean, if you threw you pads were, on the floor, you were I had no idea player. what to do with them. You were a you tennis know, what, player, right? Right. Yeah, I was a wrestler in high school. My, in fact, my high school didn't even have football. So there was there was it wasn't even an option for me to even play football. Okay. But but it wasn't racist because in order for that state, it was prejudice. It was stupid. Right. But it, it, it in order for it to be racist, he would have meant when he said that black people aren't smart enough to get into Notre Dame. So oh, the only yeah. way you got in there was on football scholarship. Mm, I yeah. see. But but that wasn't what he meant. He just what he should have asked was, oh, you went to Notre Dame. What did you study? Because that's what he would have asked anybody else. Mm, you mm. see, so I'm making those distinctions. Then I'm looking at um, uh, I'm looking at structural racism, uh, structural racism, institutional racism, all that kind of stuff. Again, separating out institutional racism from people in institutions who are racist. Mm. You see, got to make that distinction. Uh, and then I'm looking at uh, slavery in the Bible. How, wh what do you mean by when slavery? You know, what 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 does that actually mean? Do you mean chattel slavery? And all that? so I'm making those distinctions. The second part of the book, I'm looking at the church's response to racism, both from the magisterium and then from uh, the the people of God's response to racism. Mm -hmm. uh, then the, the the middle part of the book is going over in what I call inauthentic responses uh, to race. Because what's happening now. Back in the 50s, 60s, you had Martin Luther King, right? And, and uh, you had Nelson Mandela in, in uh, South Africa. These were people who cut through politics, the left and the right, liberal, conservative, you know, this person versus that person. And they said, okay, this guy makes sense. You know, okay, this is something we can rally around because the message, it's, it, it, it's true, good, and beautiful. And, 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 and uh, of course, Martin Luther King was killed. Today, we have nobody like that. Nobody people can rally around. And, and so now you have all these ideologies that are trying to make their way um, into, people's, um, into people's thought and ideology about how we deal with the issues of race when none of these things were designed to do that. So I look at critical race theory, liberation theology, and the Black Lives Matter movement. And then the last part of the book is authentic responses to racism. What, what can we actually do, which I think has to happen at the grassroots level? Uh, at the parish, at the parish's level, to really and effectively deal with the sin of racism. What can we actually do? I lay out an entire plan for how we can work to, to overcome that evil. And then I end the book with looking at the six um, Black Americans who are being considered uh, on, the on the path to sainthood right now nice. uh, in the church as a way to kind of put an exclamation point at the end that despite everything, we still recognize the, the dignity of each of uh, individual made in God's image and likeness. And, uh, and, and by look at the lives, we can see we can make a connection between, uh, uh, and one of them is Tolton, right, who I love, Father Augustus Tolton. Uh, we can look at their lives and see in their lives ourselves uh, as we journey toward heaven together. Awesome. Deacon, when, when, what's your goal to, when, when it's coming out? Well, I just got, it's, it's with Ignatius Press. I just got an email just like two days ago that because of supply chain issues, <laughs> uh, they have to push the book's production back. So it was supposed to come out in the spring. Now it's going to come out in the fall okay. of next wow. year. Can't wait. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pushed back because it, they said it's supply chain stuff. So 
Um, this, 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 this is beyond their control. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that from a lot of different, not just publishers. In yeah. fact, this is the third book publisher I heard we're having have to push back release dates because of supply yeah, chain issues. Even I restaurants. Hope it comes out, I hope it comes you know? out early enough to affect the elections. And again, I know I sound political, but uh, I, you know, I, I said I'm not political. I'm pro freedom and I'm anti tyrant. That's what I am. And, <laughs> and so. Uh, I believe the tyrants are abusing the whole idea of racism and mm. trying to get us at each other's throats in order to win elections, in order to get everybody all hot and bothered and, and, uh, and go, well, I have to vote for them because, you know, uh, they're the ones that are telling me that everybody's racist. I don't know. But you, you, what do you think about that? Do you agree with that, Deacon, or? Well, yeah, I, I think what's happening because of the dearth of leadership in this area, we have a bunch of people who are taking this issue of race and using it for their own benefits, like a Trojan horse. Right. Like the issue is race, race, race. But inside that Trojan horse is something or ideologies that have nothing right. to do with race. Right. That has nothing well, to do well, with bringing people together well, or closing the, the, the racial divide. Uh, so, uh, so I agree with you. I think that's exactly what's happening in our culture today. Yeah. I can do it too. Yeah, Deacon, um, we talked about uh, a little bit earlier that this nearing the point of no return idea. Um, we've addressed a lot of different topics. Um, we always want to give people some hope, you know, and as we get close to the end of this episode, um, there's still some time to discuss hope for people. Now, you know, you've, you've been around this long enough. You've seen, you live in Portland, Oregon area, for heaven's sake. You, you've seen things get really crazy. Oregon, Washington, California, the whole West Coast has been a little on the crazy side with all of this the last almost two years here. Um, and of course, you had the, 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 the riots and the defunding of police and just, you know, mandates and everything going on that are just really just turning people upside down. The church issues, of course. And then, of course, you hit things like the BLM and CRT and this sort of stuff that's going on. This has been going on for years. I mean, the, the Masonic or communist mindset that's been in our colleges for decades. Fulton Sheen warned us in different ways about this. Bella Dodd talked about the communism that even was being brought into the church through the seminaries and all. We know that we're at a different place now than even 20, 30, 40 years ago. When we were all, you know, 30 years ago, I was just getting started in evangelization, 31 years, and, and had no idea we'd be dealing with this kind of stuff. You know, and here we are living in it. So what hope? I mean, we know there's hope, but, you know, in your, in your, your typical fiery way, you know, or just from the heart, audiences out there. And Father and I were just recently, let me give you this real quick story. Father and I were recently in uh, D.C., for the Rosary Coast to Coast rally. And people came up to Father, and I heard some as well, and I've got emails on this as well. We both heard this, that this podcast, for two years we've been doing it, has helped people really get through a lot of what's been happening with lockdowns and all the mess that goes on, the church problems and so forth. Because people are looking for hope, and they look through podcasts. I know your work as well. People are probably, they're, they're, you're probably hearing the same thing. They're looking for hope. What hope do you encourage people with? in the face of this nearing a point of what we feel almost a point of no return. We know God's in charge. We hear that. There are signs out here in East Texas, God is in control. Now, I like that because we know there's truth to that, but God will never impose him himself on our free will. And so because he won't impose upon our free will, we are going to choose whether or not we're going to cooperate with his grace, and then we're going to get the consequence of cooperating or not cooperating, and that's going to be peace, order, truth, love, or chaos and devastation, as you mentioned earlier, with Israel. So the hope, if you could speak to the hope, but what we need to do, how we need to respond. We can't just sit back and wait for something to happen or someone to come in and save the day. We have to be taking part in these times. Can you talk about that to the people? Well, first of all, uh, I think we need to, like you said, we have to stand strong and stand firm. Um, you know, this it, it, I get it. It seems like a juggernaut. It really does. It seems like overwhelming. Like, right. what can we do? And, and how do we respond? It's like Goliath, right? Goliath was uh, six cubits in a span. So a cubit is 18 inches. A span is half, an, uh, a, a, half a cubit or nine inches. So he's about nine feet, nine inches tall. And when the Israelite army see Goliath, 
they get afraid. And that fear leads them to inaction. They do nothing. They stay. And so what, what is Goliath doing? He's mocking the armies of God. He's mocking the God of Israel for 40 days. Now, interesting. That number 40 shows up a lot, doesn't it? 40 days yeah. and 40 nights in, the, in Noah and the ark, 40 years in the desert. Uh, getting the Ten Commandments on um, Mount Sinai for 40 days. Jesus, 40 days, we're starting his public ministry. The number 40 represents a time of trial and testing and waiting. Because uh, after 40 days, weeks, years, God is going to do something. We're in that time of 40 right now, Doug and Father Hyman. We're in that time of trial, of testing, and of waiting. Right. So what happens during that time? David comes up and says, wait a minute, are we going to stand here? While this uncircumcised Philistine mocks the armies of God, aren't we going to do anything? No, 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 no. We're just going to be lukewarm. <laughs> We're just going to just sit back and take right. it. Yeah. David said, oh, hell no. He goes, I got this. And so he goes to King Saul. He goes, Saul, I want to fight Goliath. Saul's so like, dude, are you kidding me? That guy's going to kill you, man. <clears throat> In other words, you have no chance against this culture, right? Because what does Goliath represent? He <clears throat> represents the culture. He yeah. represents the so-called redefinition of marriage and gender, he, the, the abortion juggernaut, the issues of racism that's dividing our country, all the political stuff that's going on, whether you get the vaccine or not, that's Goliath. Religious liberty. And so we have two choices. We can stand in the face of Goliath and be afraid and do nothing and, and be lukewarm and inactive, or we could do what David did. He went. To, he says, look, I'm just a shepherd. I'm nobody, dude. But you know what? If that lion or bear took that sheep, I took it out of its mouth. And if that lion of bear turned on me, I killed it. And I'll do the same thing to Goliath. And so what does he take with him? He doesn't, he doesn't put on Saul's armor. He tries to put on Saul's armor, but he took it off because he realized he cannot defeat the Goliath in his life with the weapons of man. And so he gets his shepherd's staff in his hand, takes a sling, gets five smooth stones from the brook and goes toward Goliath. He, he understands it. I think he fought with a type of rosary. That's what I think he fought with. I yeah, think he see, fought Goliath yeah, with a type of rosary. Already. The sling yep. and the stones, right, represent the, uh, the, I think the five stones represent the five wounds of Christ or each of yeah. the five, five joyful, mysteries. sorrowful, luminous, and glorious mysteries of the rosary. Yep. David understood you can only defeat the Goliath in your life with the, weapons of, with the weapons of God. And so when you fight with the weapons of God, that's where our hope comes from. You fight with the weapons of God. My goodness, we have the rosary. We have Eucharistic adoration. We have the chapel of the divine mercy. We have the surrender novena. We've got a treasure trove, a, yep. a bottomless treasure trove of, of things that we can fight against this culture with. And, and he, the culture is going to push back. Remember what Goliath said? Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And so the culture can say, you think you could beat me with your rosaries and your right. adoration and your fasting and your novenas? I'm Goliath. Yep. And what has David said? You come to me with sword and javelin and spear. <clears throat> I come to you in the name of the Lord, God of the armies of Israel. What do we say at every mass? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We say the same thing at every mass that David says to Goliath. And David says, let me tell you something, Goliath. Let me tell you how this is going to turn out. You're not going to kill me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to leave your body for the birds of the, the field, eaten for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, so that all may know that there is a God in Israel. And it's the God who saves, not with the sword, not with the spear, because the battle is the Lord. My friends, David understood that God fights with and for him, that he is not alone in the battle. I know it feels sometimes that you're the only voice out there. I know that you feel, why is anybody else standing up for this? I, I know that you feel that, but it, no matter, if, if the church is not speaking up with you, that's okay. If the, the culture is not speaking up, your friends, your family members not speaking up for you, that's okay. Because God will never leave you. God will never abandon you. He's the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. That's who David put his hope in. Mm. And, that's, and that's what led him to kill Goliath. He overcame the culture. He overcame the fear because he knew that he was not alone, that God is with us. So as I know it seems overwhelming, but never, ever forget that God fights with and for us. Awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. Uh, I thought, uh, Deacon, about, again, um, as we're taping on day one of this 54 days leading up to Christmas Eve, and I've, I have it in my heart that, that we're supposed to be the Davids right now. 
pick up your weapons, do the fasting, do the, the most powerful prayers at your disposal, uh, pray, uh, pray the 54-day Rosary Novena. So mm -hmm. if anybody wants to join us for that, they can find information at uh, usgraceforce.com. But, uh, you know, join us at any time. So this, when this, uh, when this is uh, live, uh, uh, it'll be the third day. But join us because uh, I think this watershed moment is upon us and, and Goliath is going down. And so let's pick up our weapons and hit him right square between the eyes, right? Yeah, and I like, I like to comment too, a couple of things you said on there, Deacon, which I, by the way, I just want to comment and say you really need to practice coming out of your shell a little bit. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're a little shy <laughs> you know, there. You're a little too reserved when it comes yeah. to these things. You know, just, just a thought. No, but what I love the the point that you that you make there, and I, I was I wanted to comment on, it, but you you jumped in there and said it is is that we have this almost this almost kind of prissy sissy approach as Christians sometimes when it comes to taking on the Goliaths. David, when when Goliath says to him, "I'm going to kill you and leave your flesh here for the birds and the animals," and then you commented what David said back, he says, "No, no, no, I'm going to do that to you." And doesn't he go on to say, "And the whole Philistine army." He actually follows up. Basically, the whole army is going to go down, which happens after he defeats Goliath. Cuts off his head. Now, he kills him. He hits him with the, with the rock and the brow and it embeds, and he dies from that, I think, Scripture states. But then he runs up and cuts his head off with his own sword. Now, that's a major insult to the entire Philistine army that there, his own weapon was used against him to behead him. But this is the only person in the history of Scripture, if I'm not mistaken, and you know Scripture better than I, Deacon, Tell me, is there anybody else where it states in Scripture where God says, this is a man after my own heart? No. No. So you've got... It, it, well, uh, Day, uh, David. David, yeah. Uh, yeah, man after God's own heart and, and yes. uh, Acts of the Apostles. And remember, David wasn't perfect. He was an adulterer and a murderer, too. Right, right, But right. he was still a man after God's own heart. So you don't exactly. have to be perfect. And yeah, remember, but he was, remember the tagline for Jesus often is, Jesus, son of David. Son of David. Yes. I was, was bringing that up too. Yes. Is that we've got we've got the family, the, the 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 genealogy, the timeline in there where David is constantly mentioned with the name of Jesus, which is incredible to consider. But David was a warrior, and this is the point I want to get at, and that's what you described. A fearless a warrior. warrior, fearless warrior, trusted God. Yeah. But you know when he talks about. You know, when the lions and the bears come for my flock and I take them away and then I'd kill them with my own hands. This is a man who spent a lot of time doing his duty and training up in the skill of being able to defeat some evil somewhere. Now, I look at that and think, okay, if you're a mama bear or a, please don't be a house cat if you're a man, be a lion, you know, but if you're a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher or a preacher, whatever your role is, be trained up in your skill and let the Lord use that as, as God used David in his skills to defeat Goliath. Right. We all have skills that God has given us. If we train those up naturally that God gives us, he will use them in the thick of this battle. Just like we're seeing all these parents who are standing up at these school board meetings and we're hearing priests like, a, like Father Heilman is an, I think, amazing priest, not flattery, it's true. And we've got other priests that we know have been canceled out there. We all know them, some of them out there. They're using their gifts, their talents that God gave them and they're out there trying to do, we all have to play our part in this. And Father, boy, do I agree with you. It's been on my heart too for the last several months God, please bring us the Davids in the world yeah. we need right now. And I know the ladies are thinking, what about us? Okay, Joan of Arc for the ladies then, okay? Yeah. But we need the Davids and the Jones engaged, and we need them spiritually engaged first and foremost, and then use the talents and skills that God gives you to engage in this battle. It is, it is, it is just, it's, it seems overwhelming. And Deacon, I love what you said. You might feel overwhelmed, everybody. But God is the one that fights with us. And if we don't have that confidence in the supernatural power of God, as you always say, Father, then, then yeah, we're going to feel overwhelmed and we're going to feel fearful. But if we have the confidence in God and take the steps necessary, we're going to be victorious in one way or another. God is going to give us the victory. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, that's a great way to close. So, so uh, let's close with a prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Deacon, Amen. I can't wait for your book. This yeah. was awesome tonight. That's going to be fantastic.
Yeah. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me on. Speaking. It's been great to be with you.